Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Paczerski. My co-host, Tom Quirk, will be along in just a little bit. Today, I'm really excited. We're going to have a great interview with Dan Vaughn. He's the play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Monarchs and the American Association, also the Perth Heat in the Australian Baseball League. So we're going to have a great conversation about the minor leagues, the independent leagues, and I think most importantly to our fans, the Australian Baseball League. We're going to be talking about how the game has grown over there, what could be done to grow in the future, how the league operates, and just a wide variety of topics on baseball in Australia. So I think that'll really interest our viewers who are interested in the international part of the game. So I hope you guys enjoy that. As for what's coming up, we're going to have on Paul Convoy. He's the president of Baseball Scotland and also the coach of their national team. So he's going to have a lot of thoughts on baseball in Scotland, which is obviously a developing baseball country. So I think that'll be a really cool talk, too. Where to reach us? You can reach out to us on Twitter at the baseball podcast too, and on Gmail at thebaseballpod at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, ideas, anything you got. We'd love to hear it. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and thanks for watching. All right, so I, I got a lead-off question here. I see all the hats on the wall. Uh, are those all like? Uh, are they all different teams that you've like broadcasted for? Or are they just like? Are you a collector? Or? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, okay. There's okay. probably, I would say, a third are teams that. Uh, I don't know if I could give you a better shot, but third of the teams that I've worked with or. Uh, maybe for example, I've got a Melbourne Aces, which from the Australian Baseball League that oh, we're, you know, we're familiar. In Ad- yeah. Adelaide, uh, the old Adelaide Bite, and Adelaide uh, when they, before they changed their name, and then of course the Perth ones. Then I got a, actually got uh, you know, a lot of Texas Tech, you know, some random minor league yeah. ones, but most of them are uh, they they all have a sentimental value to them, whether it be Kansas City or. Um, gary south shore or, or wherever but yeah they're they're uh it's it's sort of i i used to do a collection back back when i first started i did a i used to buy home and away cap of every team that i broadcast against and okay. i like i'm that. assuming that got expensive well it did and, and of course back in those days i was just out of college and and didn't didn't have the big you know the big meal money that actually I didn't get meal money right. at all that first year in West Virginia yeah. so it was uh it was a bit of an expense but uh, of course those new era caps they weren't cheap back in the 90s either but uh, right uh, but I, over the course of all my moves they kind of disappeared here and there but I don't right. know if I can give you a better shot yeah. of them but you can kind of see them right there oh there yeah go. yeah there you I, see them right I, there. I see uh I see a, a number of them do, do you happen to have a Tuatara hat up there or is that no, I don't have I don't have a Tuatara, um, but uh, I'd like to have a Tuatara. I, I, you know, I don't really know them as well as I do some of the folks in Adelaide and and, and, and Melbourne, especially because I've developed a lot of kinship with them. But uh, I will get a Tuatara. I'm a big fan of of Auckland and New Zealand. I think it's a, I mean. T- Talk about a gold mine, man. That's a gold mine. Oh, and they have such man, they have the best merch in the league. They have the best logo and the best color this, scheme in the league. This was formerly a Tuatara shirt. Yeah, the, the logo, logo ripped off. The same thing happened to my shirt. The logo yeah. came off on the wash, but whatever. Well, um, it, you know, it's you know how the merch can be. It can yeah. it right. can be hit or miss. Uh, it's probably something that I think the league will probably try to address to try to, you know, Fortunately for me, a lot of my in my closet here in the office, I've got a lot of heat stuff, and, right. and most of it's official game worn or, or game okay. licensed stuff, so it's not going to fall apart. But there's there's been a few of the of, of over the years some of our little uh, odds and ends that didn't hold up depending on the vendor. Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it happens. Absolutely, yeah, that happens, and especially that in that part of the world, uh, you know, what's interesting if you guys are talking merchandise, you know, I'm just kind of hijacking the show, but. Uh, You're Kansas good, City. There's no, there's no structure. <laughs> I love it. So, right, Kansas, Kansas City. And I, let me see if I can grab this for you guys to see. But I, I'll pull one off the. This is off my wall here. It's interesting to note the Monarchs. We have our own name brand inside oh. of our caps. I mean, this is a Kansas City Monarchs. This is the road cap from last year. Okay. Um, very clean. It's very clean. Um, because of our. Um, relationship with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, that was one of the big things that when the when Mark Brenmeyer purchased the old T-Bones and when re, renamed them the Monarchs, one of the things was there was so much Negro League merchandise out there, you know, Birmingham Black Bears, you know, the Crawfords, you know, you, of course, all the Monarch stuff you see in Metro Kansas, really not just Kansas City, but across the country. Right. And they had to work out a partnership, but we've got our own, and you can't really make it out, but we've got our own 
sort of see it there. It's our not own, new eras. It's a, it, well, it's it's a Zephyr, but it's our own. It's got our own uh, monarchs. I mean, it's it's not farmed out to new era or whatever. Which right, yeah. I think it's new era. It's but not because that. we have a unique partnership with the museum, and I can't. I'm probably getting some legalese here, but we, if you look inside of our T-shirts, there's the Kansas City Monarchs. You know, it's the whatever the brand of the T-shirt is. Plus, it's got right. our trademark in there with all of our. I mean, every right. team. But this is more than you go to a your big league ballpark. You're going to have the majestic, and it's going to be the Red Sox majestic or whatever. Yeah. yeah inside yeah. of ours, we'll have that, but also have the Monarchs logo in the Negro Museum. Negro oh, that's Museum. so cool. That's yeah. awesome. It's, it's kind of a neat. Not not all of our merch, but most of it is. So it's kind of a neat thing. If you guys love merch, the Monarchs merch. And yeah. what's so very... cool about it is that it, you, there's not any minor league team in the country that you see. I mean, I really see Monarchs gear everywhere. It, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's really kind wild. of historic in a lot of a, ways. Yeah, very recognizable yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah. No, no, so, no. Okay, so so we're talking about the Monarchs and we're talking about the Heat, and obviously those are two two teams that you're affiliated with. So why don't you just give like a quick, you know, rundown of sort of your your baseball career to this point? Well, I I began uh, right out of college in 1991. Uh, well, I went to the winter meetings of '92 and got a job at the '93 season with the then Charleston Wheelers in the old South Atlantic League, which uh, they've become a couple things since then. And now they're, I think, they're in the Atlantic League. But uh, yeah. I worked there for a year, went to Jacksonville for a couple of years in AA, and then uh, wound up coming home to Texas and working for the – I worked for the Southern League and the Texas League. They did a, a, a mutual television game of the week, and I did those games for two years and would rotate. I did the Texas League, although I did some of the – the Southern League games too, um, and then and then went back to broadcasting full time for a team to Burlington, Iowa. Then I stepped away for about ten years and went and worked at a radio in, in Dallas, CBS, and then some some DJing and things like that. And then got the itch again and went to Australia, uh, basically side and seen. I'd been to Australia before on holiday, but I'd never really been. I mean, I didn't hadn't applied for a job, but I'd sent in my demo, and they were looking for a American PA announcer. They wanted a guy that sounded like the ballpark in the States. I'd never done PA before. Um, I mean, outside of just, you know, maybe one one time, maybe ever. Right. And they invited me over. No real promises. I didn't know what I was really getting myself into. And of course, that first season, you know, I wound up, I did a good enough job. And I met Paul Morgan, who's my partner in Talking Baseball Australia, and he's also my broadcast partner over there in Perth. He lives in Western Australia, and Paul and I hit it off pretty quickly. He was the grounds announcer walking around with the mic, and I was the PA guy. We kind of turned into this American-Australian kind of duo, having some fun with it, and we have a very similar sense of humor, and it translates over the over the 10,000 miles. And by mid-season, right. the broadcaster kind of was – he, he didn't want to do all the games and we were like, well, we'll do them. So we were doing the broadcast and the PA at the same time and just having fun with them. We also host the radio show. So I came back in 2012 and went to work in Gary South shore in the American association outside of Chicago, on the South side was there for five years. And then uh, went to Kansas city for the T-bones in 2017. And then one of the was held over and got a op great opportunity for the Monarchs when Mr. Brammeyer brought the team after the 19 season. So uh, kind of get you caught up, but uh, I was in, out, in again. You still work in Australia baseball. Are you like the main media guy, like on the field for the Heat? I, I have been. Partner? Yeah, I have been in the past. I, it, it's been weird over there because we've not played a full season without any kind of interruption. We've had two seat. We had no season last year, this, this last winter season, right. the year prior, I believe, I think Perth played two home series. I think that's right. Three, they barnstormed basically for three weeks and then got in the playoff hub and they were supposed to right before they were supposed to play the second game of the playoffs. That was it. Melbourne was declared champions. And that was a shortened yeah. season started right. late we haven't had a real season since the uh, the 19 and 20 season, which was right before the pandemic hit, right. hit, hit Australia first and China first over there. I was actually there that part of the world when it happened. But um, so we haven't had a real normal anything. I mean, we, and as a matter of fact, we, we're, we've stopped and started our show talking baseball, Australia 
which we, we do talk mostly Perth stuff, but we do try to cover the whole league. But we've stopped starting that show about four times in the last two years because we've, we thought we're going to play, that we weren't going to play. It's been a real crazy right. stretch. And, and I, I think we're headed the right direction. If you saw, I don't, I don't know if you saw the news that, uh, that Paul Gonzalez was named the general manager of the Australian Baseball League. And I don't think they would have named a GM of the league if they were not going to try to go forth. Right. And that's one of the things they did. We wanted to have was have him do the schedule. And uh, so I, I feel like we're going the right direction, but you know, it's this crazy world we live in, man. Yeah. I, right. I can't believe we missed two years. So we've really not done anything in two years. I mean, really right. full blown anything in two years. I mean, it's been crazy. I mean, and I couldn't get, I could get in the country as a legal resident, but I had to quarantine, you know, quarantine for two weeks. And for a married right. guy who needs to be able to come back and forth whenever he pleases, that wasn't an option. And my, my wife couldn't come over and that wasn't an option either. So, you know, we're, we're now past that. So it looks like things are going forward, but uh, you know, it's been weird over there. I, I worry, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's been yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, it okay. So like you, in spite of all of that, that it's still, I guess I would describe it as a growing league. I mean, it seems to be getting more, more like, I don't want to say real talent because I don't want to trash the guys who've been playing there, but like guys who have like major league aspirations are seeing time in ABL, which is probably the biggest thing that's happened to that league in a while, I would assume. Yeah. I'll walk you through the, in the nineties, the original Australian baseball league was very much like that. I mean, you had guys, okay. you know, you go back to the nineties, you can go back and pull up, I don't know the Melbourne Reds, the, the the Western Heelers, the Perth Heat, or whoever, uh, the Brisbane Clubs, any of those teams, they all had big league guys. You know the, the the you know not necessarily major stars in the big leagues, but there were there were names. Right. You go down, you can go through it in you know the 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 nineties type stars. And I think a lot of that was the right. relationship Dave Nielsen had in Major League Baseball at the time. But you had a lot of that from ninety to ninety nine. And then yeah. when the ABL came back, you know, it went it went away. The Claxton Shield took over uh, through 2009, and that was more Western Australia talent here and there. I'd be a mixed-in guy. That was mostly, I say, Western Australia, domestic Australian talent is what I'm what I mean. Right. And then when the ABL came back, remember Major League Baseball brought the league or front of the league, 80 percent of the league, the first uh, four years. And then Major League Baseball pulled out. So the first four years, you saw a lot more you know, prospects coming over and then it kind of is morphed into sort of a in-between. And then now it's kind of coming back again, where you're seeing guys that are, if they're not going to the big leagues, they're going to have a chance to play in Korea or, or Taipei or Japan. I mean, a guy like Dylan Unsworth, who's, uh, you know, yeah. cashed in really, really well in Mexico and in Taiwan. You're seeing some of that. Of course, you, you know, Acuna played over there uh, in that, that, that interim, but it, you see it kind of ebb and flow. Um, I don't know where it goes now. I, I think that's probably where our biggest question, where does the talent yeah. go forward? I think that's probably, so, the, and I think that's a league-wide problem or not problem, but issue. I really started following the ABL in 2019, right? So, or the 1920 season, right? So right, right before the pandemic hit. And that was just a normal year. And that was a really exciting year. And then obviously the next year, things kind of got off the rails because of the pandemic, but they fit in a, sh a shortened season. And one of the things that I noticed was before, like in, in the summer of the pandemic, when, you know, nobody really knew it was going to happen. The league was really hopeful about how things were going to turn out and they got a product out on the field and they got a, a season played, but it wasn't really the way they wanted it. Um, but there were all these things moving around beforehand when they weren't sure what was going on. And a lot of major leaguers or ex-major leaguers signed up to play like big names, like Manny Ramirez, obviously was the biggest one. And he made it into the country and he did some practices and, and some clinics, but he never got on the field. Uh, right. But even guys like more role players like Danny Valencia signed up and Eric Young Jr. and Justin Grimm and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I guess my question is that to me, Manny Ramirez really marked like this league's gone somewhere. You know what I mean? Cause it had like Delman young was kind of the Manny Ramirez before that, who was like, yes. Oh, it's, it's legit. Like Delman young was good, you know? And then before that, there were some guys like way back, like when there were prospects like Ronald Acuna. And yeah. so when I saw Manny Ramirez, I was like, Manny's not Manny anymore. He's not going to play like Manny used to, but that's going to show that people want to play. And then these other guys started to go on and I was like, Oh, this is legit now. And then the league kind of got kneecapped because of all these COVID-19 like protocols. 
but I guess what my question for you is, I was a roundabout way of getting to, are those like connections and relationships still in place to bring in the Danny Valencias of the world who are rock solid players to up the, the talent or do they miss the opportunity? Yeah, that, that's a really good question, Ethan. And I, and I mean that sincerely because <laughs> I think that, I, I think that because that's always a uh, answer, generic answer, but I, I think you're onto something. And I think that's the crossroads I was getting at a while ago, kind of mentioning mm-hmm. a while ago. I think the right. league's at a crossroads in general because if you're watching what's going on around the Australian Baseball League domestically, for example, Robbie Glendening going from Perth to Melbourne, you, you're seeing more free agency within the league. Uh, Melbourne's policy, at least they're, they're, they're wanting to get guys that are the Delvin Young types. They want to get guys that are – stars in American association. They want to get those big time, re, you know, with their Japanese connections and their U S connections or North American connections reload. But you've also got some teams, you know, Adelaide comes to mind and Perth, both who, who seem to do it more with well, Perth's case, especially to do it with their Tampa players. And they really rely, rely on those domestic players. They got to have them. You know, it, it all so, depends on the philosophy, but I think what you're seeing, I, I think where the league was heading was trying to be the best winter league it could possibly be, competing with Puerto Rico, competing with the Dominican Republic, Venezuela. Those are all places it was trying to compete with. It wasn't there yet, still not there, but it was heading that way. Right. And my concern is that the COVID situation has probably set that back five or six years. because right. you're, Kill, you're, killed you're, some yeah. of the momentum. Yes, the momentum. Because why do players want to go play at Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, or Mexico? Well – the almighty dollar. I mean, it, right. it, they pay, it pays better. I right. mean, it, it, it pays better. Those are, and we're talking about guys that are playing in Mexico, mentioned Unsworth, who pitched the no hitter in winter ball. I mean, you've got, you've got guys that are playing winter ball. They're making a nice check, much better, much better than, 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 than the Australian baseball league, which in general is cash strapped. And because, you know, let's say Manny plays a whole year, two years ago, and let's say Manny comes back and let's say, I don't know, another fringe guy comes in and, and two or three of those guys, and now you're in the third year of that, you've made some progress and per- perhaps yeah. you've got more, maybe Sydney draws another 10,000 folks and makes a little bit more money. Maybe uh, Team B makes more money. You're getting more eyeballs. More, you know, I mean, you go to, I mean, I've been to winter ball games down in the Caribbean, and those are jamming. Those are fun, man. They're, they're great games. And they're mm-hmm. packed. You're talking 15, you know, 10,000 folks. I mean, to watch a Caribbean World Series game, 25,000. We don't right. have those crowds, crowds in Australia yet. Right. But I, but again, and I think that's the question. And, and I've had players tell me this. You know, I'd love to come to Australia, Dan, but, you know, because I actively recruit players and they will tell me, you know, well, what's the money like? And I got to, I don't just lie and say, well, it's, yeah. The beach is great, which is true. <laughs> but that's not a lie, Aaron. Yeah. No, that's not a lie. Yeah. But at the end of the day. That's not what they're there for. Yeah. Well, they're, well, they're there to chase their major league dreams, probably. That's right. the biggest goal. And so, so how am I so, going to get how am I gonna the big leagues faster? So when you try to sell a player on Australia, what do you tell them? You know, do you tell they speak English? It's more West. Like, like, what are the selling points when you talk to a guy? You nailed it. You nailed it. I mean, that that's it. I mean, I can... Uh, I was a reliever in our league. I won't name the name of the American Association, who I'm very proud of his work he did over there. And that was the selling point. I mean, it was, you know, you can go over there, you can speak English, uh, nothing against speaking Spanish, but, or anything else. Speak well, English. Well, yeah, a lot of guys but, don't. But, yeah, but, but in, in, in reality, it's safe. I mean, if you're, if I, you know, as a father, if I sent my, my kid to Venezuela to play ball, I'm, I'm sure Venezuela is a great country, but I'm, I, you know, Right, it doesn't take yeah. much to Google what the situation is right. politically down there. Right. Is, am I safer in Venezuela or Australia? Right. And obviously Australia. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's you can close your eyes sometimes there, and without only thing you know it's different is the accent. But yeah. I mean, you've got similar. I mean, the suburbs look very similar. There's right. if you're if you're from California, the beaches look very similar. I mean, it, there's a lot. There's some differences, but it, it, right. it's very similar. So I think that's the selling point. I another big thing. When you're playing winter ball, you know, you're really grinding it like you are the season. What makes Australia so cool is because the way the schedule's worked out, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday through Sunday, you're going to get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. And in Perth's case, 
you usually travel Wednesday night in the red ice. You've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with Tuesday being a training day, Monday being off. And when I say training, it's light training. It's not like, you know, they're not out there playing, you know, they're not going through two a days. You're basically getting three days off to do whatever you want to do. And then you catch the red eye flight going back east. And then you're, you know, and then you're back home dinner time on Sunday because even the time change. And you've got Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, then Thursday, you play again. And you have some time to relax and unwind, go to the beach, kick back, work on whatever you want to work on. If you're trying to work on a slider, you can throw on the side on Monday and Tuesday and work on the slider with the pitching yeah. coach or whatever. You can do some things. There's a little relaxed lifestyle there. And, you know, it, you're, you're flying everywhere. I mean, for, in Perth's case, you fly everywhere. I mean, ev- pretty much everybody flies. I mean, I guess Canberra drives to Sydney. But in general, you fly in Sydney drives to Canberra, but you're flying everywhere. I mean, you're flying every trip, which you got guys that ride the minor league buses. I mean, so those, they're like, going, wow, this is great. It, yeah. it really it feels like what a what I feel like when I'm doing it, it feels like what a big league ball player probably felt like in the late eighties, early nineties before charter flights, where they were flying commercial but flying, you know, flying everywhere. You know, it's kind of like that. Okay. So there's a lot of yeah. selling points to that, but you're right on. That's that's right on. The schedule that you mentioned, something that stood out to me, and I bring this up every time we podcast now, but it's it's very relevant that I play baseball, like I'm not, you know. I'm not a legend or anything. I play in a men's league, but uh, I'm a catcher. And uh, if I were catching like three or four days a week, oh, those three days off sound real nice. <laughs> you know, sure. Catchers, I'm sure, have the same phenomenon. You yeah. know, where they're like, listen, I know I'm not pitching three days this week. And I'm like, Ooh, that feels pretty good. Yeah. 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 You're getting one start a week. I mean, if you're a, I use Unsworth, but I could, I mean, I can go back. I remember Anthony Claggett who pitched for the heat back. Oh gosh. You know, back in 2012 or 12, 13 season had a time with the Yankees. And I remember him saying, you know, hey, this is you know, every fifth day in the big leagues or every fifth day in the minor leagues. And you're, you're, you're pitching every fifth game or fourth game or whatever it is in the Australian baseball league, but mm-hmm. you're not doing it every fifth day. You're literally doing right. it once a week. Right. And yeah. it has, and you're able to really dial into what you need to do. And one advantage is too, you could get a guy that's maybe a, a, a bullpen guy who can work Thursday night, maybe in relief and to come back again. And, and he can work longer, you know, Saturday or a Sunday. You, you, there's some advantages there because you've got that back end. You're not, you're not worried about the Monday's game or Tuesday's game with the American association. If you have a, we had a situation last year, we went to Cleburne, we used our closer every game and, <laughs> and, and yeah, we used every game, four game series. And, you know, luckily we won every game, but, uh, you know, come Monday for that, you know, the next series, we're like, well, who's up, you know, cause we, you know, you, you right. sometimes have to do that and you don't do that very often in the American association, but in the ABL, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. ABL, like if they, if they basically have three days off by default, then, uh, that's not so bad. Yeah. yeah like in the majors, you use your closer four days in a row. You're going to have a couple of games yeah. where the ninth inning might get a little rocky. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, and, and that's the thing. And, and, you know, you've got to, one of the big, the big key to me in the ABL, those series is you, everybody, it's, it's very much like a college. Uh, give me a you know, big 12 SEC collegiate ma- matchup. Instead mm-hmm. of being three games, it's four, you, you know, but similar situation where you, you're, each team's throwing their ace on Friday, usually, or first game. And then you've got, yeah, if you're doing a double, excellent. if you do the double header, you know, it, it, it's kind of how, you know, a toss up there. But you really need a guy, the, the, the key, when, when the Perth Heat have been really good, and when teams have been really, really good in the ABL, it's that Sunday starter that can go out there and toss you five innings and keep you in a ball game against the, their fifth starter. I know that sounds it sounds because those Friday games or first games of the series are always pretty close. You got right. two aces who you know may go up there and maybe right. three one three two. It's that Sunday ball game is where you really make your money. If you can win that Sunday ball game and win a series, that's huge because you get a guy. That's why that fourth starter is probably is most is your second most viable pitcher because you got to have your ace. But you got to have somebody to finish the series and not just go out there and roll anybody out there. Okay. So yeah, it, I guess uh, it sounds like 
I mean, this is probably the case in any baseball league, but it sounds like it definitely emphasizes depth in the rotation. We're having that that fourth guy who is better than everybody else's fourth guy. Uh, I assume it's a good morale thing to sure. end every series with a win. Yeah, you and, know, uh, Daniel Schmidt, the big lefty for Perth. You know, I think he's number. I think he he was number one in wins. I think he's number two in the wins of the ABL history. The the reborn ABL. He made a killing on that last day of the season. Of course, he was an ace early on. He was that one or two guy the first couple of years. But in the latter years of his career, he feasted on Sunday because he was a solid option out there that no one else had. This is a guy that had been an ace and go out there and, and get you five and six and keep you in a ball game against maybe a young guy or a bullpen day or whatever. And yeah. all depends how your series goes. And that's why you're right. That depth is huge. Mm-hmm. And how you manage your bullpen is huge. I mean, that's that's such a big part of it. That's how it is in the big leagues too. I mean, we become so specialized that uh, you've got you've got specialization now everywhere. It's even even greater so there in, in ABL. Right. So I guess that that raises a question in my mind about about management because uh, a, a lot of big league managers played in the big. So there's a couple of guys who, I mean, I might be making this up, but I feel like there's, there's your corporate guys and like the math guys. Is there any potential in the ABL for like, listen, this league teaches you like bullpen management. It teaches you, you know, manage your arms. Like, is there any potential for like managers to come out of the league? I use Dave Nielsen who's a manager in Brisbane. Uh, He's going to be coaching over the American association. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for Jim Bennett, who's a coach, Jim Bennett's his bench coach, and Jim's going to be the manager in Lake uh, Country there, the American Association, the new team, and Dave's going to be his hitting coach, and they kind of basically flip roles in Australia. Okay, yeah. But you've got yeah. some of that. Um, you know, t- uh, Michael Collins, who uh, managed Canberra for a number of years, he you know was working in the with the catchers there with the Astros as bullpen catcher as well. There's been a couple others here and there that have gone. And I think what I think players want, especially Australian players, they want to see an Australian coach in the minor leagues. And I think you're seeing, you know, Alan D. San Miguel, who's going to be on double A staff with the Royals this year, you know, okay. for, of course, you know, so you're going to, you're seeing more of that. Uh, we, it's just about opportunities. I think it trickles down to the players too. I mean, right. it's all about opportunities and Australia, the domestic players, coaches, Need opportunities, and they need opportunities that can 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 give them a chance to work in baseball, and not have to take two or three jobs to do it. You know, where American right. players and American coaches can, you know, our manager with Kansas City, Joe Cathpietra, you know, has some off-season clinics, but he's able to be a full-time baseball guy. Yeah. Where some of these guys, Andy Kyle, you know, teaches and coaches locally there in Perth, and then he also works in the Heat. And it, it, he has to, you know, it's 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 like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not right. putting what he does, but the opportunity to come to the states and and manage at a high level, that's the thing I think we're all looking forward to see players right. and coaches get there. But you're seeing it. I mean, Dave Nielsen is is, is a guy. It's it's done it, you know, and coaching. But uh, you know, you're you're. I think the philosophies each club's different. That's what makes the ABL so fun. Is that the philosophy of Perth is different than Melbourne and different than Brisbane. And I mean, they're all just like the big leagues. I mean, the Rays do things different than the Yankees. You know, we, we know that. It almost right. feels like it invokes a little bit like like pre-analytics baseball in a way. Like, I assume that they, that ABL clubs don't have the money to, like, bring in big analytics departments. Yeah. In a way, it almost sounds like with that, like, you get back to more like you have guys who just have ideas about baseball and the only way that they can test them is on the field. And, uh, you know, that's how baseball was for most of its history. So it's almost like. Yeah, cool, until like cool, 25 like, years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, you know, the rate, the race sent players to, to Perth and I've sat there in Port Charlotte and chatted with them a couple of years ago. They're big analytics guys. Most of those guys, you know, a lot of those guys are Harvard, Yale type guys with yeah. different backgrounds in sports, which is fine. I think it's that um, I'm an eye test guy myself. Right. Uh, we have guys in our league that brought in the American association or analytics guys, uh, Steve Schuster is a Winnipeg phenomenal broadcaster. He is big analytics. I, I don't use a lot of my broadcasts because I'm more of a storyteller myself. I do the eye test. And we had a kid named Adam Brett Walker in Milwaukee this last year that I know the guy can play ball. I know he can play ball. And he was not going to, 
never stuck with an affiliated ball club, but now he's sticking in Tokyo with the Giants. I mean, he's playing in the Nippon. I mean, and my eye test told me a long time this kid can play. So you got different philosophies. And I'm not saying there's one way to do it or another, but I think you're right. For example, in Perth, I mean, I do the scouting reports, if you want to call it that, for the Heat. I pull the stat packs for the for the for Andy, Andy right. Kyle, and I pull them, and that's what they get. They're not getting we're getting lefties, we're getting lefties righties, things like that. We're not breaking down, you know, first pitch strike, things like that. Right. Because we don't have that we don't have that in our budget at this moment. Now I think at some point I would see I'm sure some teams do more than others, but there's only so much you can do. With with what you have, and we do use Major League Baseball stat service, but there's only so much they do. A lot of that analytics stuff goes above in, in their own stat department. So yeah, you guys right. don't have a stat cast, so like you know, there's no, no, some things no. you're never going to be able to. No, get you just got a radar that. gun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's you know, two for three. I mean, you know, the guy. You know, but again, again, you know, some of that. Some people love that, and I'm not. I'm not trying to say it's bad. You know, it's just not my style. But uh, you know, right. scouts, they need a, they, you got to have measurable tools. But I can just tell you, I use Adam Brent Walker again. I use this kid again. You know, I know this guy. He played for the T Bones in seventeen or eighteen. It lasted with about a, about a about a week with us. Got signed off our roster and got released and get back in the league again. I'm like, this guy is a monster. He can play. And sure enough, he he's playing in Japan. I mean, doing well. So I mean, I, the eye test tells me sometimes that maybe that's just I'm the old right. guy. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. but, they, but but I sat right there in the, in the offices in Tampa and they, and they talk and it makes sense. I would also think that for a, a I don't want to say fledgling, but for a, you know, a baseball nation that isn't super far along, you know, they got other sports that they're more concerned about for the casual fans over there. You don't want to be super analytically inclined, like here in the United States yeah. where everybody's been along every step of the way. Like it's hard to get somebody into sure. baseball. that does anything about it now because you're right. starting to go like, uh, okay, so there's something called like line drive rate and exit velocity, you know, and it's like, it's hard. I would assume in baseball where nobody cares about baseball, it's a lot easier to go. Here's how the game's played. Watch. Right. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to being like, okay, so his launch angle is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And as a uh, broadcaster, really- yeah, as a broadcaster, I think that it's a, di- I catch myself in Australia and it's, you know, been a couple of years since we really did a full season, but I catch myself, trying to explain as i call the game and and, and, and simon isons who does a color for us for a pitcher and, and, and try to bring him in and make and try to help him explain to the australian audience what's going on where in the american association we i have some listeners who love that who love that uh, that analytic stuff and i'll throw it in there when i can but i'll have to necessarily break it down for them like i do yeah. over there which is and that's no knock on the intelligence is you're right these are people that grew up with it. I mean, you don't have to play baseball to get it, right? But right. you have to. But if you grew up around it, you know, we we it's in our com, it's in our conversation. You know, we you know, oh, we, yeah. we you, hit, you hit home run there, sir. You know, or hit out of the ballpark. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you hear these these baseball and sports terms, and they have them too, and they'll say them. I'm not really sure what they're meaning because it's referring to cricket or whatever, and, right? You know, and and you, you know, you, you know, between the wickets and things like that. That's you know comes from there, and. and yeah, but you're right. I think you have to really break it down for them and explain it differently. I, I think you lose them at well, a launch angle, and they're kind of like, right. oh, you know, yeah, I mean, what? Just hit it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, like uh, again, I don't mean this as a dig, but it's almost like when you're trying to introduce like kids to baseball, like you want to focus on like, you know, the like fun aspects of the game. When you not the math storyteller, you want to emphasize the fun. And like right. maybe less like the effectiveness part. Right, right, like right. right. Launch angle and all that stuff will is good for describing how effective somebody will be, but that's yeah. not the fun part for like kids and stuff and people you're trying yeah. to bring over to the game. So. No, I I agree. And as a storyteller, and and again, here's the thing for me with the monarchs, I've got so much built-in history already to talk about anyway. That oh, yeah. I if I start diving down analytics, when I can talk about, you know. Um, Jackie Robinson's couple of tryouts before he actually got signed, or talk about the barnstorming monarchs in the 1936 season, or whatever. Right. You know, there's a story every night that I can tell that if I'm talking about too much analytics, and again, yeah, there's some guy, and I, I mentioned Steve Schuster, Winnipeg, because he does a great job with it. And the people in our league love that. They, they love that stuff. I'm just, that's just not me. And I think the ABL right. doesn't lend itself, A, for budget reasons, and B, 
because of where we rank and where we are. We're, we're, we're like pioneers over there. We're, 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 the, we're a pioneer spirit. Let's just have some fun with yeah. it. Hit, yeah. hit the ball, the ballpark, run around the bases and have a cold right. one. Let's put, have, on, let's, put let's on a do good that. show. Do you, do you guys want to talk about the future of the league? Sure. We talked yes, a lot so. about the present. We talked a little bit about the past. Um, right. I know you mentioned that like having basically three years off is, you know, that does a lot to, you know, take a couple steps backwards. But has there ever been any talk of like what the ABL's ultimate goal is? Like, do they want to become like a winner league or uh, are they hoping to become like affiliated in any way? I, yes and yes. I think that, that the ultimate goal is to be the best winner league in the world. Um, okay. That'd be item number one. Uh, affiliation, perhaps that I think that's, I think that's sort of, each club sort of looks at that differently. I know in Perth's case, mm-hmm. uh, that's how they get their imports currently. Uh, right. In Melbourne's case, not as I mean, it, it's important they have a relationship with the Royals and with the team in Japan, but they but they they also dig into the independent ranks left mm-hmm. and right. Uh, it, it all kind of depends on, on what each team's different. I, I think the long haul, you know, to be the best winter league, you're going to have to, you know, I think. I think they're well on their way to doing that. I think they've we're, we're in a different chapter now. You know, when Cam Vale, who was the head of baseball Australia, he was on the right track with thinking about expansion and things like that. He was definitely had the foot forward on that. But but again, the pandemic's changed everything and put everything on yeah. hold. So they're back to square one again. You know, they just got the you know just got the Tuatar and the uh, Geelong Korea teams. You know, sort of going the right direction when all this happened. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think expansion is probably in the works as well. Probably would have been this year if we would have played two full seasons, but they're right, probably right. looking at two. They're probably looking at two winners down the right way. Um, I also think that uh, there is a chance for it to really grow. And this is just me talking to you, but I think these are right. things that I would throw out there that, you know, for it to really grow, it needs to expand from just the winner. And that may be in cooperation with the independent state leagues, also perhaps playing uh, in Korea or in leagues in Korea and Taiwan, or playing in America, having a team that plays in the American Association or wherever, Frontier League, mm-hmm. having a team of predominantly Australian players, or maybe it is uh, the, the, the Perth Heat or Adelaide Giants, whoever, under a different name playing in the American association down the road where it's about opportunities. And I think right. the two things are to be the best winter league to attract the best talent and also to grow the game domestically. Those are the two things. And they're, they're, they're not the same, but they're on, they're, they're, they're parallel paths. Yeah. They're kind of hand in hand with each yeah, other. I mean, you, you know, baseball, baseball Australia at any given year will be a top 10 side in the world in the world rankings mm-hmm. and that's you know if you have the world rankings work because you know they they also it's not just your number one club your 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 national team it's also your under 18 16s and yeah. all that your women's all those you get points but australia is going to be a top 8 10 team every year but to close the gap from there to top four what's it going to take Right. They need they need a, they need an opportunity. It's like anything else. It's like doing it's like you know whatever it is we do for a living. Or if you don't do it, but once a year, you know it's kind of you know, you know but if you're right playing up. you know if you're only playing you know November, December, January, and then by February you're back to state league and you're you're working your job full time. Yeah, it's hard to really develop the national team. I mean, Tim Kennelly is a phenomenal player. I love that guy. He's a great mate of mine. I respect him and the Kennelly uh, family. But t- Tim is a a fireman right now. He doesn't he doesn't can't play year round. There's no year round opportunity for him right now. Now right. he's older. There's no money in it. There's no money in it. Right. He's older. You know, Matt Kennelly, who probably would be managing in uh, the states, took a job as a policeman <clears throat> up in the, up in uh, the northern part of Australia. Up in, I'm actually in Broome. Um, join the police force because I mean you you need I mean we have to make money to you know I I don't broadcast for free I mean it's not great money but but <laughs> but still you got to make it's a, a living, living. Yeah. it's a living and it's a labor of love and that's the problem to close the gap against Japan Cuba United States whose guys play year round yeah and, and, and huge domestic scenes themselves too huge domestic scenes Dominican yeah. Republic I mean you know Mexico Puerto Rico all Venezuela. I mean, it clo- it, Japan, you close these gaps. 
how are you to close that gap? Well, playing just three months a year, mm. it's about opportunities. And that's why you're seeing a lot of Australian kids go the college route and shy away from taking a $200,000 signing bonus and spending two years getting hurt or whatever and get released, where they can right. go to college route and spend three, four years, five years, and then get drafted out of college and perhaps be a, a Robbie Glendening type, where Robbie is right now, a double-A with the Royals and a guy's getting another chance. I mean, you, 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 you see things like that, but if you get guys, you know, that they, they have opportunity. So the ABL has got to be about two things, be the best winter league, attracting the best talent import wise. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal for baseball, Australia and the Australian baseball league is to produce the best domestic talent to help Australia compete at the national stage and right, be right. a world championship side and close that gap. I mean, the, the Tokyo series right before the pandemic, when they played uh, Japan, the biggest difference the year before was there were close ball games, but the biggest difference was the depth. I mean, Japan's able to roll out guys that are Japanese yeah. big leaguers every time. And that's what against the, the, right. the, that's the guys are running out there, but the, the Australians yeah. did have the depth because guys don't have the opportunity. And so you're getting a guy, I'll use Tom Bailey, who at the time was healthy. He got hurt, but he's healthy again. Just had a great uh, state league season with Wanneroo in Western Australia, but Tom <clears throat> was a, basically a rookie of the national team that that series had had no international experience. And Japan's got, it, it was rolling guys out there who have pitched at a high level internationally and domestically, and it's totally different. That's a hard thing to swallow, and they've got to close that gap. And how you close that gap is expanding the league, more games, more opportunities in the States and other places, and that's the league's got to really focus on. And I think they're on the right track with Glenn Williams and Paul Gonzalez, two former players, the national team now heading things up. So, okay. So let me ask you a question about that. So obviously there's a few Australian stars, right? Like Dave Nielsen was the first one. He's an all-star and then Grant Balfour, everybody knows. And now Liam Hendricks, right? Is the Australian big leaguer. And there's a few fringe guys like Lewis Thorpe and Aaron Whitefield, but, but Liam Hendricks is the guy, right? So do you think that it has sort of a snowball effect where the more guys you put, and I guess with imports too, where the more, uh, guys that you put into the big leagues, the more it gets noticed and the more people care about the ABL? Or is it just sort of you got to keep growing things at a grassroots level and getting little kids into it, and then years down the line you'll see the the payoff? Or is it somewhere in between? I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both. I mean, you got to have both. I mean, you got to – for Liam to get there, he or, you know, I use a Warwick Sopold or, you know, who pitched in the big leagues and in Korea and made a – you know, did a heck of a career – you know, these are guys that played their whole year. You know, they played other sports too. What makes the Australian athletes so impressive is most of these guys played footy, played cricket, played baseball, played other things. They're multiple talented athletes. And, you know, much like a kid, say, for example, in Texas or California, who plays football and baseball. You know, I mean, you know, a, you know, a, a uh, trying to think of a, a Matt Stafford played baseball and football in Highland Park in Dallas. Right. You know, he, and, he and Clayton Kershaw were teammates. You know, they, they right. played both sports. Yeah. You know, Jeff Samarja. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know, top, you know, top college receiver, tight end Notre Dame. You're, you're seeing, you're, I guess my, the thing is, is that you're seeing both. But you, the, the crazy thing about it is, guys, is that Graham, I use uh, Liam Hendricks, for example. Graham Lloyd's another great example. He's just a tall guy. You think that guy must put, he must be a former footy player because he's tall. Mm-hmm. You know, tall, tall, former, you know, former Yankee. But, Liam Hendricks can pretty much walk. He can walk into a pub in Adelaide, and there's a pretty good chance in a regular pub, no one's going to know who he is. He's he's no more now. They may say he looks familiar. This is a guy's been the big leagues eight years, seven right. years, making a lot of money. I mean, this is a guy was a starter every fifth day with the Twins. I mean, right. you know, pitching the you know playoffs with the Blue Jays, and this is a guy that could probably walk into a pub in parts of Australia, and he'd just be another. Another dude. And that's yeah. the thing. I think that's so I think you're you're I mean, that's why I say both. You need more Liam Hendricks, you need more guys like that. You need more we need another we we're desperate for another star, not just a cup of coffee guy, but a guy to go be a Dave Nielsen type or be a, a Graham Lloyd type or be a Waza type or be a you know Liam Hendricks type. But you also got to keep that grassroots going, T ball all the way up. Right. Australia does a I think Australia does a better job grassroots on up than America does in general because America, you know, we, we soccer's become such a grassroots for the young kids. We're over there. T-ball's a big player. I mean, Paul, I mentioned Paul Morgan, you know, his kids are both playing T-ball. 
That's right. a big deal over there. I mean, playing T-ball and that the youth sport, but for some reason it fades out at older age because we're in the States, you've got colleges and high schools yeah. over there. We don't, we don't play at that level. So that that's, that's right. a long answer to say both paths, but you need yeah. both. I mean, so, okay, it's, so one it's, thing... a little, it's, it's a little bit the most popular sport probably in Australia. So it's got some work to do. Right. right. Yeah. So, so one thing I was having a conversation about Australian baseball, actually, because I wrote an article about Curtis Mead, who I think is the next Dave Neal. I think yeah. he's the next Australian star. Um, but anyway, I was having a conversation about Curtis Mead and I was talking about how Liam Hendricks is the guy right now. But there's been Alexander Wells. Right. There's been Aaron Whitefield. These guys who got cups of coffee in the, in the major leagues. And, and honestly, right. Alexander Wells and, and Lewis Thorpe, they didn't they haven't played too well so far. They're young. Right. Who knows what's going to happen? But but what I was saying was. A kid from Oklahoma, it doesn't matter. There's kids from Oklahoma debuting every day. And even the Dominican Republic and stuff, Venezuela, yeah. right? But with Australia, there's been like less than 40 Australians in the major leagues. Just having a guy like Brad Harmon, who played on my beloved 2008 Phillies for like a fortnight, that's a – I feel like – I don't know. I'm asking. I feel like that should be a big deal to the Australian national team, to Baseball Australia. Getting a guy in the big leagues, I feel like, is a big deal. I mean, you're on the inside. Does that matter to them? Or do you have to Absolutely. be Liam Hendricks? It, it, it matters, but I, I think that there's a – we're, tra- we're trying to tell a story, and a lot of it, it gets it gets lost in the shuffle of cricket, rugby. I mean, when the yeah. ABL when, – when Major League oh, – well, for example, when a, let's just say uh, – you know, let's say Lewis Thorpe, well, he's already been in the big leagues. Let's just say it's his debut, and it was right. – when he was, his debut was going – when he, when he debuted, uh, footy was going on. And right. Australian rules football is huge. I mean, they're playing footy when we're playing baseball. And those people are, if you think we're nuts for the NFL, they're nuts for footy. And they are, I mean, and it start, it's already going on and they're into it and it gets lost in the shuffle. And, right. and I mean, I, that's just what happens. It's just part of it. And that's just going to be a continued. And it, it, the more guys that make it, the more, I mean, if we had 10 Liam Hendricks, that'd be a different story. Having one, we need more. Yeah. We need more Liam Hendricks. But even if we get twenty guys or a cup of coffee guys, that's better than having two cup of coffee guys and one Liam Hendricks. Right. It, it's the same. It's just it got to have more exposure. And you're right. Your, your your analogy is what I use all the time. I live in Dallas, Fort Worth. There's eight million people here. There's a big leaguer game viewing probably every two weeks from my metropolitan area. There's probably a Texan debuting every week. Right. Probably there's so much day. talent here, right? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a, there's probably more there's day. probably more big probably a Big Twelve player debuting every twice a month, you know, during yeah. the season. I mean, maybe I mean crazy more than I mean it happens all the time. Look out that window, right? But it's got to be. But we have to continue a good job, and this is where we this is the real work. The real work is from the to get the grassroots folks to help, and it's we need grassroots. We got to get the grassroots message to the mainstream sports culture in Australia to say, look, Liam Hendricks is a star and Curtis Mead's about to be a star. I mean, he's playing in front of, you know, you think the footy crowded at the, I don't know, you know, at the MCG's rocking. Wait, what about Yankee stadium on a October night when it's game five or six? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty rocking too. And a lot more eyeballs watching worldwide. So, I mean, you know, there's, we right. got to get that story. And that's the challenge. And that's why I go back, Ethan, to you guys is that losing this last two seasons, that's a killer for us. Yeah. I mean, it's a killer because you, whatever momentum you mentioned earlier, Tom, about, you know, when you get Manny, you don't have that. You don't have any momentum. So yeah. that's, that's what, that's the killer. This is a question that I wanted to ask. And it actually goes right into what you're saying. One thing that I noticed with New Zealand, right? And New Zealand has yet to have a big leaguer. So they don't even have guys on their national team that were in the big leagues. But one thing that I noticed when I would look through these rosters is their coaching staff is full of ex big leaguers. Like Steve Mintz is the manager of, of uh, the Tuatara and then have like Josh Colmetzer, who's pretty good in the big leagues and like Josh Bard. And I think Jim Cott at one point, like a hall of famer was like working in New Zealand. Like they have, I, and I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm sure people in baseball in New Zealand have connections. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but my thing is when you look at these Australian rosters, it's all Australian coaches. Most of the time there's like Pat Kelly has an Australian wife and, mm-hmm. and Kevin Jordan has an Australian wife, I think. But, but it, for the most part, it's like these Australian guys, which is great. I'm glad they're coaches. But, but one thing I want to know is it seems like baseball in New Zealand has these connections, these really high level major league guys. Does baseball Australia or the ABL have these kinds of connections still like Manny to get these like star power kind of guys to, 
even if they're not going to play come lend name value? I would, I would say so. I would say across, I mean, just in, as a blanket answer. Yes. I okay. think the folks, I think the folks in Brisbane, especially, I would say, you know, Dave Nielsen and, and, you know, Mark Reedy, their ownership for sure. I know the guys in Melbourne, I mean, they, I mean, there's, they're, I mean, you got, you know, Molo and, you know, you know, you mentioned, you know, you know, Justin Huber, another guy that's you know, Royal, former Royal short yeah. time there. They've got some, and they've also, uh, you know, guys like Nick Wern, these are guys that, are dialed into the U.S. sports scene or baseball scene, and then the the Aces do a yearly tour. They were they didn't do it last year, but they were doing a yearly summer tour in the states where these front office members would go across and see minor league games and talk to Martin. Came and saw me as a matter of fact, spent a day with me, done it twice. Where they've come over and just chatted about how to how the business of baseball. So yeah, there's connections there. Uh, I know that uh, in Perth's case, Steve Nokowski, the GM, has spent some time with the Rays a couple of weeks ago. When he was in the country, so I mean, you know, there there is those connections, but you, it's like any relationship. You got to work them. You got to you got to continue to work them. Uh, I think players would love for these Australian players. You're you're a young nineteen year old Australian player, and you want to get noticed. And, and I mean, once one of the better ways to get noticed than by a guy who's coaching for a major league organization. I mean, that's a yeah. great way to get. Hey, you know, this kid, the lefty is pretty tough. And uh, tell the scout who looks at his stuff and they want him signing, or he winds up calling a college coach for him. Right. You know, you you, you want to get in front of the eyeballs, and that's that's one way. But it's a balance there. It's a real good balance. I mean, it's it's you know, I think that I think that with with each organization, it's the philosophy is different. But as a blanket, I would say that it's on the right track talking about like Liam Hendricks and like Graham Lloyd and like these guys who came over to the league. Do you think that, I mean, I I would say that it seems like Australia's best export to the world of like major league baseball has been relief pitchers. I mean, it's, I don't know why it just seems like that's how it's shaken out. I mean, Balfour was elite, you know, Hendricks is elite. Graham Lloyd was elite back in the day. Peter Moylan. Uh, do, yeah, do you think it's something like where, like with Japan, Japan had a thriving baseball scene for decades, and it, they never broke through until really, I guess, probably Ichiro was when it actually, like, right. broke through. Because, I mean, they had guys like, um, what's his name? Was it Nomo. Nomo, yeah. Yep, yep. And, and, like, that was a big thing for the Japanese, but Ichiro was the guy who, like, made, like, now... Japan is effectively part of like the American sure. baseball sure. sphere for real. Do you think that Australia needs a guy like that, like a hitter who goes over and is exciting and has star power to like kickstart a lot of this stuff? I mean, look at, look at Otani, what he's done. I mean, just right. that's exciting. I mean, he, the guy's a multi-talented. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think too, one of the reasons, and I've asked, I brought this up several times. I have a theory. And I've asked this several times to the, some of the Australians, and they've all sort of uh, backed me on this. I think a lot of the reason that you get the relief pitchers twofold, A, the cricket background. Most of these guys have a cricket background, which if you know much about cricket, which I won't go into the explanation for it, but uh, movement, ball movement, spinning, the spinners. You know, you have spinners, that guys that can spin the ball, uh, a lot of control, a lot of movement. That That's what, you know, that they're looking for. In, ge- you know, in general, um, translates all, well. it, it translates well with movement and able to the pitching grips and able to get movement. And that's why the, you know, they're, they're not afraid to throw a two seam, four seam fastball with a lot of movement more so than usual, because they know they're going to get more movement. And two, the Australian, those, these guys played footy. Footy's a real, if you've ever watched Australian rules football, it's a real, it's a tense ball game without pads it's it's nfl without pads but it's a little it's not that way really but it's similar they have a very similar uh footy's real passionate uh game a real uh, go out there and knock around people i think that that energy that adrenaline most of these relievers all played footy and they've got the footy and the cricket background it translates to a real to a guy because most of these guys come in i mean have been situational or back-end guys i mean graham lloyd was a was a late-inning option for the yankees he was the guy that came in and shut down the seventh or eighth with the left-headed from that left side. 
and he was very intense. I think you're getting some of that, but they do need, I mean, you know, Curtis Lee would be, I'd love to see that guy break out and be a, you know, that, that guy, you know, that can say, okay, he's there in the big leagues from Australia and he's the next Dave Nielsen. Because mm-hmm. people, right. people in Milwaukee remember him. I mean, if I say, and there's a lot of people who say, oh, that's right, he was Australian. It's been a while. What we see with like Trout, for example, is Trout is a legend, like pretty much already. Like, you know, he's the best player in the game. Maybe Otani's better because he pitches, but but Trout is super good at baseball. But he's not considered the world's best like ambassador of the game because he's not exciting. Like I think it's exciting to watch him. But uh like does Curtis Mead have the sort of thing where like people want to watch him? Have you seen anything? Like that, is he a burgeoning star in that way? I I, I think so. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know him. I don't know him that well. I've been around him a little bit. I've heard a lot about him. I I think he understands that he is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people I've talked to that know that he's special. He's not. Uh, I don't think he has. A, he's not egotistic about it at all. But I think he understands the the the, the magnitude of where he's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, putting words in his mouth, perhaps. But I, I get that feeling. Uh, cause he's, yeah. he, he's a, he's legitimate. That's a legitimate ball. That's a guy that could come off a big 12 camp. He could play in any big 12 sec school today. And he'd be going to the starting lineup. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, he would, if he'd have gone the college route, he'd have been a D one all American. He's that type of player. And he looks the part, yeah. but he doesn't seem like he's, he, cause a lot of times you get guys that go over there and they, they were, the, they were their big, and it's like this anywhere. Remember when you when you're in the minor leagues, you were this you were a star somewhere. Whether, oh, it, be yeah. your, whether it be your yeah. small town or your college, you were the stud. You're the Guardians organization now, and you're just one of the guys. You're one of a bunch of guys who are really really good. Yeah, and I, I think that he was really really good over in Australia, and he's really 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 good in America. And I think that's the thing. You know, always a lot of times a guy gets over and he gets to the states and he kind of levels off and he comes back to the pack. He's mm-hmm. not coming back to the pack. He's a guy. And you know, you know, I saw a lot of that Aaron Whitefield, and you saw it when Luke when, when Luke Hughes was younger, when he was in the big leagues, you saw the very same thing too. That you saw him just continue to do this, and I think you're going to see me continue to do that. Mm-hmm. He seems like he has a great skill set. Like I, when I look at his numbers, like you know, like on base percentage matters a lot to everybody, and me included. Mm-hmm. What I love to see is guys with a really good on base percentage in the minors. It's like I feel like. This dude's not just taking advantage of pitchers being bad. Like he's got secondary skills. He he hits for power, and these are things that it's like this guy probably isn't going to be like a Whit Merrifield type where he's just kind of like, oh, that guy's good. Like I love the idea of him coming out and actually like putting Australia on. Yeah, I had a scout tell me this, I guess about a year ago on a plane flight. We were talking about. And he he'd scattered some of the kids in Pacific Rim, and basically what he said, I'm paraphrasing, but it's one of those deals where you know you can look at some of these guys from lesser baseball parts of the world, and you see some holes. You see, okay, they does this right, he does that right, but okay, there's where we got to work. And you kind of you realize, okay, he's not he's from he's from Australia. We got to work on this. You don't see that. This kid looks like he, he looks like he spent four, like I said, three, four years at a major college. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 he, he, he looks like he spent, I mean, I, I, he looks every bit of the part. And, and you don't see a lot of, in a, you don't see a lot of, uh, everybody's got flaws. I'm not saying that, but you yeah. don't see a lot of those things that you go, okay, if he does this, he's got it all and he just keeps doing what he's doing. He should be fine. That's kind of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, also he's in the Rays organization, right? That's yeah. who our yeah. Oh, because the Phillies traded him away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Rays, I, you know, it's baseball prospects are kind of random to a certain degree. Sure. But the Rays are an organization that seems like they convert these guys. So the fact that the Rays like them is another encouraging sign to low, me. Low risk, high reward. Low risk, yeah. high reward. Absolutely. Not, the Rays have to do that because they're not going to be able to go out and sign. You know, right. They got to get they, they, it's a different. You know, we're not going to that, that rabbit hole, but you know, their way of doing business is totally different than the way everybody else does business. Yeah, that, the Dodgers, works for, for example, yeah, the Dodgers, for example, yeah, you know, you, you know, they they 
the Rays aren't stashing a guy to stash him. They're stashing a guy to, to perhaps do right. something with him. And then, right. and then if, if he does hit it, they'll spin him off for another four or five like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a good point. So, all right. So, I mean, I think Curtis means going to be an all-star. It's it, yeah, he's going to be good. And I hope he puts Australia on the map. So, all right, let me ask you this, Dan, just to, to wrap it up. Let's say you become Emperor Dan Vaughn tomorrow, right? And you can do anything you want within Baseball Australia and the ABL, you know, all of it, everything under the umbrella of Australian baseball. What do you do to, I don't want to say fix, what do you do to grow, promote, you know, promote the game? What are your steps? I've put a team in America of Australian players uh, in the American Association, Frontier League somewhere, um, maybe 80% American players. I mean, because you're not going to, you're not going to, uh, you, you'll, you'll probably the league the league will not most of these leagues aren't going to care where the players are from but you want to you're going to want a few you know locals but i mean i think australian baseball would <laughs> doesn't matter really where they play they're, they're going to speak english so it's not a big deal i think it's a great drawing point but i'd give them more opportunities i'd also expand i mean that the first thing is i'd find a way to put a team of australian players in a competitive league in the summer in the states where they play 100 games 100 plus games and they are in that league and number two I would uh, like to see the league expand. I wouldn't see, you know, add a team in the, the, the Red Center or up north or a second team in our team in Surface Paradise, the second team out west, expand the league, add a team, another team in, you know, New Zealand. I want to see the league grow. I want to see the team, the league play more games. And third, I would like to really see the cooperation between the state league teams and the the ABL teams were using it more as those state league teams feed the ABL, which they sort of do now, but there's still some places where the state league guys rather play there in the ABL because Mm. it's, they just rather do that. I like to see where you want to make that step up. You want to be the ABL. And then I would, I would have fun. I mean, I'd make, I'd make the advantage you have in the ABL is you only play four days a week. Every game should be an event. You've got four nights to make it of everything should be an event for the fans. And I mean, I'm talking, you know, it's, there's no, in the American association or independently or minor league baseball anywhere, you got Tuesday nights and they suck. No, man, yeah. no owner wants to, no GM in baseball wants to play on Tuesday night. They don't want to play on Monday night. Right. Yeah. Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. Okay. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when you get your schedule in Kansas city, you look at your weekends Okay, I got eight weekends. Awesome. You start planning your promotion schedule. The ABL has that opportunity, and I'd put all my eggs in those promotional baskets. So those are the four things I would do. Promotions and like merch and things like that. Like, not to harp on the merch thing, but the minors in America, like AAA, AA, like your minor league teams that matter, that still don't get like great engagement. They seem like they've turned to like, for example, I have my. Montgomery Biscuits hat yep, here. Absolutely. Like, like this silliness and like stuff that people think is funny to like get attention. Like it I mean, I don't know that Australia has to do this necessarily, but is there it, it's a niche question, but is, do you think that's something that might have a little bit of potential in terms absolutely. of Absolutely. I mean, you you know, ca- caps are gold. Caps yeah. are gold. I mean, you know, yeah. caps are the are 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 gold commodity in, in our sport and mm-hmm. for, for sales and marketing and, and you need, you know, I you know, I would just give you an example. You know, you need you need probably four different types of caps price points in your ballpark, the new era, the fancy new era cap, probably mm-hmm. need adjustable, probably need something for kids, and maybe something for you know, something off color for you know, whatever. A cheaper, or even a, or even our cheaper cotton. You you need options. You just can't all. Everybody's want the same cap, but caps are gold. You need things for the kids. That's another thing. How many kids merchandise do you really see at these games over there? And I can tell you, we've mm-hmm. been to a lot of these games over in the Australian Baseball League. You don't see kids merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kid, kid wants to kid, a kid wears a, a a Perth Heat or you know Adelaide Giant shirt to school or to this with see his mates or whatever. They're going to want one. I think it's cool. I mean, yeah. you know, these are things you got to do. Free advertising, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you know, you go to Kansas City, you know you're in Kansas City. Royals, Chiefs, you know, Monarchs, you see all that stuff. Yeah. You, know, you don't, you don't, you, you, only thing you see in Australia, you see is the, the AFL jumpers. Like you're seeing a lot of NBA and NFL. 
you got to right. get those. You got to get yeah. these kids. You got to get these kids in the baseball kits and get them, get them wearing. You know, that that's the thing. You got to get them. Got to get that merch out there and have some fun with it. You know, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm one to. You know, you, I, I'm more traditionalist, but still, I think tradition sells. I mean, like I said, the monarch stuff yeah. is tradition. It sells. So. Well, yeah, get to that build the traditions in sure. uh, Australia. So, you know, there, there's room to uh, experiment and find where that I'll, tradition I'll give is. you a good example. On my wall here, and I can't see it, but I got a Perth Scorchers, Perth Scorchers from the Big Bash League. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you think makes their caps? New, New Era. New and, Era. And you go to, an AB, you go to a, a, a Big Bash cricket match, you close your eyes – between you know the action, it sounds and feels like a minor league game. There's right. stuff going on. There's 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 activities, dance offs between you know innings and all that. <laughs> and, and the players are wearing colorful jerseys and colorful logos. Where do you think they got that? Because the big match yeah. people came over to the states and watched the U.S. minor leagues and like, well, that's what we want to be. Right. They, yeah. took, they yeah. took cricket yeah, from yeah. a stu- cricket from a boring all all white jumper and cap, which are nice. The sweater. To a real long, drawn-out game to this one-night deal like the minor leagues, and people love it. The Big Bash is huge over there, and that's exactly what the minor, what Australian baseball should be doing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's good. So we're all right. We're we're pretty much out of time, Dan. This has been yeah, a blast, all good. man. I hope this thank helps. You, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much for coming on. I've really had a good time. Where can people find you? Well, find me at Dan Vaughn Jr. on Twitter. That's D A N V A U G H A N Jr. on Twitter. Also at the my uh, show that I do for the Kansas City Monarchs is called Rain Reborn with the Kansas City Monarchs. We air that uh, every well, every other week, but we'll start starting in April. We go every Thursday, 12 noon okay. Central Daylight Time. It's on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. And then uh, we do Talking Baseball Australia, which is coming back. Paul Thank Morgan God. and I will be bringing our show back next week. Uh, we're, we're, we're not sure what day exactly, but Talking Baseball Australia at uh, – at TBA Australia, and that's we have our Facebook page. You can find us there as well. And of course, at Perth Heat, ABL, and then uh, Kansas City Monarchs. I didn't talk much about the Monarchs, but the uh, Monarchs <laughs> Baseball the American Association. Right. You can find me there on the broadcast for the Monarchs. So yeah, we'll have you on again in a little while. We'll talk all Monarchs. How's that sound? Good. We'll do all Monarchs. I, I can go on and on. Well, a warning. I'm going on about that. Too. I want you to. I want you to. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I would rather I'll, go long than go short. Yeah, I, I'll. I'll, I'll you, yeah, I'll upgrade to the unlimited Zoom. We'll do like a four-hour podcast. <laughs> All right, th- thanks so much for coming on, Dan. This has been a blast, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, you bet, guys. I hope All this right. helps. You bet. Absolutely, man. Take it easy, brother. Have a good All night. Right, mate. Thanks Cheers. so much. Thanks, thanks, right, guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Baseball Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Dan Vaughn as much as I did. Make sure to go check him out on Twitter at Dan Vaughn Jr. Make sure to check out his stuff with the Kansas City Monarchs. He's got a show called Rain Reborn, and he's also got a show with Paul Morgan called Talking Baseball Australia. You can find that on Facebook and on his YouTube channel. Dan Vaughn. Um, So go and check that out. You're going to learn a lot about Australian baseball. I love it. It'll be back next week. As for what's coming up for us, like I said earlier in the episode, we're going to have Paul Convoy on. He's the president of Baseball Scotland. So we're going to have kind of the same conversation about baseball in Scotland and what's going on there. So that's going to be really cool. Make sure you check it out. I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Baseball Podcast.